Well, for me, the Christmas season has begun when we do step by step. That pretty much kicks it and off we go and uh, kind of stuff. I still have to get my lights up yet, but that's all right. Um, but the rumor is we'll even have snow this week, right? Which that's, I like that. The rest of you are like, yeah, I like it. Ah, snow and mist makes it awesome. So I'm hoping it'll happen. But we wish you and your family a blessed Christmas season. And may God's joy be a gift that not only is given to you, but that you can give to others as well. People are amazingly open at Christmas. And it's a great time to share the gospel with them, a great time to share the Lord's love with them. So look for opportunities. Uh, We're going to start a new series this morning. It's called Home for Christmas. And um, this morning is There's No Place Like Home. And then next week will be Jesus Wants Us Home. And then the third week will be It Ain't Easy Coming Home. That would be a good one. And then uh, Christmas Eve will be Coming Home Again. So we'll have those four titles together and uh, work this series in the, in the Christmas time as well. So when you think of uh, Christmas, I grabbed this picture here. And, you know, there's a lot of pictures that just kind of capture uh, the Christmas season and the, the whole spirit of it. No holiday captures the essence or importance of the home like Christmas. Right? It's just wrapped around all the hallmark things, everything. It's just all kind of woven in that direction. And no other, for no other holiday is the pull so strong to get back home. Right? Lots of, if you've got, for example, we have uh, our daughters, Kayla and Mackenzie, one's in Arizona, one's in Virginia. We're excited to have them come back home, right? And if, if you have children live in a different part of the state or you're the children that lives in a different part of the state, right? And the idea of, okay, we're we going home this year, right? Usually, when do you do that? You usually do that at Christmas time. And so the pull towards home uh, becomes, becomes enormous. And, uh, you know, uh, when it happens, you know, there's great plans, there's great preparations, right? To do everything. When are we going to pick people up and who are we going to meet with? Who's coming over? And uh, although it's not a Christmas-themed movie, nobody captured this idea better than Dorothy when she clicked her ruby slippers together and said, there's no place like home, right? There's something to that statement that is universally understood that home should be good, home should be safe, home should be great, Home should be joy. Home should be fun. Home should be home. All right? There's just that universal expectation. All right, well, let's pray this morning, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, when we talk about home, uh, nobody understands it or does it better than you. And uh, as we walk through this today, I pray that it'll just tri- trip our thinking about our homes, the holidays, your place in it, your place in our hearts, and we seek you for that and ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Another idea about home is uh, you get this kind of picture, right? Just that you don't have to go anywhere. The families are gathered around the tree. They're gathered around the table or they're gathered around the fireplace, right? You're opening gifts and uh, it just, you, it fills people with a sense of family, sense of charity. We're far more gracious, right, to people and we're more, far more aware of needs this time of year, um, of love and of the grace of God that's revealed to us in the birth of this amazing baby named Jesus, who just changes everything. And uh, it's when we're talking about that, um, what it says is that our homes are incredibly important places. Uh, they are the they are powerful and responsible for much of the good and evil, right? That shapes our lives. 
And some of us had great homes. And uh, I think back to my, I would wish my growing up on anybody. Fantastic. And others go, man, if that's what home looks like, you can have it. I never want to go there again. Right? There's a, a pressure there, a power there, because it didn't go the way it was supposed to. But it really shapes our lives. And when you think of it, not having a home, homelessness, uh, that's not a good thing, right? Unless every once in a while there's a young, you know, Uber type who jumps in a van and says, I'm homeless and, you know, they're cool because of it. But most of the time when you think of homelessness, uh, it's not it's not cool. It's not fun. It's not, uh, is, isn't something you'd actually choose. It just has a huge impact on the life of the person but I want to suggest this morning that our homes are important to God as well. That that's important to Him. You know, if you think about it, God had some homes. Uh, if you just think through, he had, His first home was the garden, right? He walked with us and Adam and Eve and walked in the garden. Then He had an ark. Then He had a temple. Then He had a manger. Were all homes that the Lord had. If you picture a home, this is a kind of a rendering of a home back in the time of. Jesus' life, they weren't all like this. Some had sod roofs and that kind of stuff. Um, if you kind of look at that, much simpler than our homes these days. But homes would become important to Jesus during his ministry years as well. And lots of uh, topics of, of homes. For example, there was his home at Nazareth. We don't know a lot about his home there. There's no pictures of it. Um, we know that he was there for the, his growing up years. Uh, we know he had a mom and dad, Mary and Joseph. We don't quite know what happened to Joseph. We know Joseph was in the picture till at least 12. And then somewhere in there, Joseph disappears from the narrative. Mary stays in the narrative all the way to the end. But he had a home. He had a mom and a dad. It was in a, a little podunk burb called Nazareth. Uh, not a very important place, not a very significant place. Their home was probably a simple yet well put together. The reason I'd say that is Joseph was a carpenter. Right, And so you would assume that a carpenter would have a home that would be fairly well uh, put together. And so, but not ostentatious by any means. Uh, Peter's home was kind of a rendezvous point. Remember when Jesus came to Peter's home and Peter's mother-in-law had a fever and he cured her of the fever and then she got up and served them. Uh, that was a place that he landed. It kind of became um, uh, a kind of a center out of which Jesus operated. And so that was a home that he was familiar with. Uh, there were many homes that he was invited to as a guest, like Simon the Pharisee, uh, who was rebuked because of his harsh judgment of the woman who had washed Jesus' feet with her tears. And Jesus pointed out, hey, you invited me to your home, but you never washed my feet. You never, never really made me feel welcome. And yet this woman, who has nothing, has made me feel very welcome. And her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Yours, not so much. Right? That was a home that he operated in. Or like the, uh, he would often, when he was about to do something, go to a home. So one time he went to a home and he was telling stories and four friends came with their paralyzed friend. They couldn't get in, so they went on the roof, tore a hole in the roof and lowered their friend down. Right? And Jesus looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven, pick up your mat and walk. And he did. That was done in a home. Um, more stories like that. Um, he went to the home of Jairus to raise his daughter back to life. That was done in a home. Uh, he was on his way to the home of the God-fearing centurion 
to heal the centurion's servant when the centurion said, what, Lord, I'm not even worthy to have you under my roof. What is that? I, I, I'm not worthy to have you come in my home. I understand who's coming. You don't even have to come. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. That also happened in a home. The home of Lazarus, Martha and Mary, was a home that Jesus frequented. Um, it was one of his favorite places. Places, I'm sorry. And indications are that he went there often and enjoyed himself immensely. As a matter of fact, at the, right before he went to the cross, one of the last places he was at was the home of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And uh, they were friends. He loved them. He loved being in that home. He loved hanging out there uh, with that group of people. And then, of course, there was the upper room. Uh, what we would call today probably a, a modern-day apartment or a condominium, right? But they lent that room to him, and Jesus used it to hold the Last Supper. And uh, we will be having communion as well to go all the way back to that room, right, today. Now, all of these homes were important, but all of them are temporary in, in nature. His real assignment was to tell us about his true home. Uh, Jesus wanted people to catch on was, I want to let you know about my home. If you look in John 14, this is John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus is coming towards the end of his ministry and he's starting to tell the disciples, hey, I'm going to be leaving you. And for the first time, they're starting to get it. They're starting to go, whoa, what do you, wait a minute, what, what do you mean you're leaving? And they had great sorrow over that because they had immense joy being part of Jesus' posse. Uh, their importance and that kind of stuff came from there. And Jesus said this, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. In the old King James language, many mansions. Right? There are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Right? And so Jesus is talking here about a home. And it, it's, he says there's uh, many rooms in this home. It's interesting, when Jesus gives this description, though, how little detail he gives. He doesn't tell you about the house. He doesn't tell you what it looks like. doesn't tell you what's in the rooms. doesn't tell you, right? There's, there's not a lot of detail that way. But three things stand out. One, he's going back to prepare a place. And then two, there would be plenty of rooms. Heaven, heaven does not have a no vacancy sign, like Tom Baudet will keep the light on, right? Kind of thing. And that he would come back and get us so that we could be together with him. In other words, Jesus wants to be at home with us. Okay? Because why? Because there's no place like home. And so he wants to hang out with us and be there. What was he telling them about? Well, he was telling them about his, his, his home, his real home, uh, the place where he was longing to get back to. And it's a, it's a pretty big home. Uh, Here's a picture. I think this is Peyton Manning's mansion. And, um, you know, when you think about a big home, in Revelations we know the home Jesus was describing is 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, and 1,400 miles deep. And if that's allegory, then that's a big allegory. Okay? Because the essence or reality is even greater than that picture. But just to give you, get your mind wrapped around that, that's from, from here to Minneapolis, from Minneapolis to St. Louis, from St. Louis to California, and then California back to Seattle, and then go up 1,400 miles. A lot of rooms in a place that big. More than even here. Right? It's pictured right here. 
When it comes to there's no place like home, what I want to make the statement this morning, nothing, absolutely nothing compares to heaven. All right? It's the most incredible and spectacular place. And yet Jesus, as I mentioned, never goes into any real kind of detail about the, that other than this one thing. If you think about this one thing, there's one thing that Jesus described in detail a lot. He talked a lot about it. When he talked about heaven, what would he say? That's where my Father is. And what was great about heaven to Jesus is that where his Father was. And what was Jesus eager to do? He was eager to get back to his Father. In other words, the person was greater than the place. Does that make sense? Oftentimes, uh, when you read, uh, if you go on you know, MSN or Google or Yahoo or whatever, they'll have articles or headlines like this, uh, Mansion of Peyton Manning Finally Revealed, or Take a Visual Tour of Michael Jordan's Yacht, or See the Mind-Blowing Place Where Taylor Swift Lives. And in truth, all the above places are probably truly impressive. But that, what would be really impressive would be when you are there taking the tour that you actually get to meet the person who owned the home. Wouldn't that be spectacular? Right? If you walked in and those people were actually there. Uh, If not, the conversation goes something like this. Hey, guess what I got to do on this last vacation? Well, what? Well, I got to see Michael Jordan's home. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. Did you get to see Jordan? No. Oh, bummer, dude. Right? Like, you got to see the house, but you didn't get to see the person. Or on our last trip, we got to go to England and see Buckingham Palace. Wow! Did you get to see Princess Kate? It's probably Duchess Kate. I'm not sure. I'm not English. Um, no, only we only got to see some pictures. Oh, well, I can see pictures on the internet. That's not that important. You spend all that money going to England, look at pictures? That's like, how lame is that? How different would, would the story be if they asked you and you could actually say, man, you wouldn't believe it. Jordan actually came out and had so much fun talking with us, he invited us to stay and have lunch with him. You had lunch with Michael Kidding, Michael Jordan? Yeah, you've got to be stinking kidding me. No, it was fat. I mean, would that change the story? Oh, that would just be mind-blowing, wouldn't it? Or, um, it was incredible. Princess Kate came out and invited us to high tea. High tea? I didn't know. Is there low tea? High tea? Mid tea? What? You know, I don't do tea. What? It was incredible. She sat down and, and asked us to tell us our story. And so we shared high tea with Princess Kate. You know, it's not an unusual hope to meet someone in their own home. That's the point I'm trying to, right? If you went on a tour somewhere, uh, unless it's like Monticello, right? Jefferson's been dead a long time. You don't expect him to come walking out. But if it's somebody's home like that, you kind of walk around going, I just wonder what it'd be like if they popped out. What are we saying there? The person is more important than the home. That that would be a bigger deal than actually seeing the place. What would be the biggest deal is meeting the person who owned the place. And that was the picture Jesus was trying to craft for us. And when Christmas comes, there's another flip on that story. There's another way that that can go. It's not that unusual to meet someone in their home, own home. But the actual odds of, the, like the stories I'm telling you, of that actually happening are ridiculously small, right? Okay, that is, We all know that's not going to happen. But now imagine the flip side of the coin. Peyton Manning actually shows up at your house this week knocks on the door and says, hey, you might have heard I'm not working anymore. 
And I, I have an afternoon, and I was just wondering if you'd be open to watching the ball game together. And you're going, stinking kid me, Peyton Maddox walking in my house. Are you kidding me? And he sits down on the couch, right? Says, let's watch the game. UW's looking pretty good, right? <laughs> and you're like, ah! Oh! You know? Or Princess Kate shows up in a British limo and says, I was wondering if you'd be willing to have tea with me this afternoon and tell me your life story. And you spend the afternoon with her and you go, oh my gosh, this is crazy. What are the odds that they would come to your home? Infinitesimally small, right? Infinitesimally small. That somebody like that would show up at your door and knock on your door. And yet this is exactly what we're saying when it comes to this event that we call Christmas. Real Christmas, historical Orthodox Christmas, is that God came to knock on our door. He came out of his way to visit us. And on a grander, more stunning scale than any of the situations I just described to you, this is exactly what Christmas is. And here's what's astonishing about Christmas. Jesus left home so we could come home. Jesus left his home so we could come home. And we're going to explore that idea over the next four weeks. It's not that we sought God, but it's that He sought us and sought us out. In John 15, a little farther where we were earlier, Jesus says this, Jesus is looking to build a home. Where's the home He's looking to build? He's looking to build a home in our hearts. That's where he wants to live. The word is abide. And John 15 says, Abide in me and I in you. In other words, dwell with me. Can I dwell with you? Right? And if you've got a family, you know what that means. That means all the fun stuff and the stinky socks together. Right? Can I dwell with you? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, using an illustration of a plant here. Uh, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And what Jesus was bringing home in is this idea of dwelling together. So I'm going to ask the guys to come forward and uh, begin to serve us communion while we talk about this idea of dwelling together. Uh, Jesus is looking to build a home. And the home is not temporary. It's actually permanent. And he wants to build a home in our hearts so that he can take us to his home. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to be the streets of gold or all the fancy uh, ornaments or the things that we will notice. You know what we're going to notice? We're going to notice that's where God is. That's what's going to capture our attention. That's what's going to steal our attention. And when we talk about home, we're going to talk about how great, how great God is. Thank you, Dave. Jesus says here, abide in me. In other words, would you allow me to dwell with you? Can I live with you? Can we make a home together? In other words, can we do life together? My buddy Matt Chu has a phrase, life on life. That's really kind of what Jesus wants to do, is life on life. 
He wants to dwell in our hearts. He wants to make a home there. And the question is, is our home open to him? Uh, some people, uh, the front door's locked, right? You can get on the porch, but you aren't getting in. That's mind to control. And other people, uh, you know what? You can, you can come in the kitchen and you can come in the living room, but that's it. The rest of the house is off limits. Oh, so I only get part? Or... And other people say, well, you can, but just don't go in that closet. Because I have secret things in that closet and I don't want you to see those secret things. And Jesus actually wants to dwell in the entire house. And metaphorically, that's talking about all of our life is open to him. He can walk into any closet he wants. He can walk into any thought he wants. He can walk into any motive he wants. He can walk in and be there. Why? Because he wants to dwell with us. And when he dwells with us, he wants us to abide together. He wants to us to be living together. And you shape each other when you live together. Most of us, when we got married, had no idea how much we had to change. How much we needed to change. How much we would change. Matter of fact, you ask some people, and say, oh, I haven't changed much. Okay? That's a very self-aware person. Un- unself-aware. Right? Because marriage changes you. When you live with somebody, it changes you. Right? And this is the same idea as that when we live with Jesus, it changes us. Why? Because there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And Jesus used this illustration when it came to communion. He was talking about abiding. He was talking about dwelling together. And he was using it with his disciples. And he was talking about it in the permanent saying, hey, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back and get you. And therefore we have to abide. I want to leave you a symbol for what that looks like till I come back. He says, because I want you to do this in memory of me until I come back. All right? And when we talk about coming back, he's here already, and yet he is yet to come. All right? He is here already, and yet he is yet to come. And Jesus at the Last Supper said, this is my body. All right? You've recognized my body. You've been with me for three years, but this now is going to be a symbol of my body because I'm now going to be with you in spirit. Instead, he said, eat this in memory of me. And then the cup, there's so many symbols and representations of the cup. But think about wine. Where is wine most normally partaken of? Isn't it around a table, around a meal with friends? Right? It is a, a, a communion, a community thing that you do together. And Jesus says, you are my friends. No longer do I call you slaves. You are my friends because you know me because I dwell with you. He says, drink this in memory of me. As we come to Christmas, as we come in the season and we head towards that, you guys know how it goes. It goes zip, right? Let's take time to slow down. Let's take time to stop. Let's take time to make sure there's room in the home of our heart for him because there's no place like home. And let's remember heaven's far beyond anything we could possibly ask or imagine. I have a pretty active imagination. And God goes, Steve, you aren't even close. Not even close. Nice try. And I start to think, you know what? I have to be open to letting him dwell in deep ways with me 
And Christmas is a great time to do that. Great time for thankfulness. Great time for letting Him dwell in ways that He hasn't been able to before. What room in your house needs to be unlocked? Which one has He been knocking on the door? You know, in Revelation, He knocks, but it has to be open from the inside. What door do you got to open for Him this Christmas? Let's pray. Father, as we contemplate this, I'm not sure what the questions stimulate, but I know they stimulate ideas in my friends' minds and they think about you and they think about the conversation they're having. We think about Christmas. We think about what we've just done step by step. We think about giving. We think about home. Lord, what you try to communicate is there's no place like home. We were designed and made for heaven. May you help us focus on that in ways that uh, would be really real and meaningful this Christmas season. And we ask that in your name. Amen.